0: Welcome back, you're watching Stockwatch and joining me to unpack your stock related questions this evening are Jean Pierre Fristair from Protea Capital Management and Drekas comring from uh, Capicroft. Uh, be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email us at Stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Uh, yeah, thin news, thin trading today. Um but let's see what we can do with just two questions today, <laughs> and the news in the markets. Um, JP, I'm just wondering. Um, of course, the, the JC seemed uh, to kind of flip flop today uh, between the the green and the red, and it ended off kind of flat. Um, the European markets, though, have been on the in a downward trend since yesterday. Uh, and I'm wondering if there's anything specific that you'd like to highlight on the trading that we have seen today and maybe over the past two days.
1: Yeah, if I, if I may pick my subjects and all these, thank yeah. you for, uh, for asking such an open-ended question. I do <laughs> appreciate it. I'll, I'll talk about how the U.S. and Europe and even our local markets have done for the first half of the year. Yeah. And you mentioned Europe. Now, the U.S. has done much better than Europe and most other jurisdictions here to date. And within that, the tech sector has done substantially better than all other sectors. So, um, you know, all other sectors are up only single digits. And then the tech sector has gone through the roof, especially anything that has to do with AI. So, when we look at the averages, whether you look at the indices in Europe or in the US, which is the indexes that have got the highest weighted technology, especially the, the NASDAQ, but the SP also has got substantial technology exposure. That is the reason why the U.S. has done so much better than other places in the world. So we need to look through the index to the constituents to really understand what's going on. And what's going on is that people are buying anything with tech and AI and sort of the race is just muddling along. And those are the trends which seem to be going on at the moment and have been going on over the last six months.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, anything that stood out for you uh, in the trading? You can even uh, mention in the past six months, but also maybe in the last two days, Atrikas. Uh,
2: I know, well, let's stick with the last well, two days. is just too short of a time yeah. period, maybe. But uh, yeah, as in the last six months, what has stuck out is a bit of a reversal of the 2022 trade. I think most of it's positioning, uh, a lot of positioning. I think um, a lot of the the companies in the tech sectors are excellent promoters of their own stock and business, um, milking the artificial intelligence trend, which is a real trend, of course, just like, you know the internet was a real trend in the 90s and early 2000s and um and i do think there's a lot of companies that's really going to benefit from them. nvidia maybe you know one of the biggest you know they they are part of the infrastructure in which artificial intelligence will run but you know human human uh, uh traders and investors have a tendency to um you know just um extrapolate these returns into the future which i do think is a mistake i do also think that what the market has done the last six months that they've, they've seen that inflation was going to um come down uh, which is right you know um mm. and they are starting to price in the end of inflation and uh, a return to the the low rates um low growth world that we had uh, before COVID, you know in the 2010s which i also think is a mistake um if you listen to Chairman Powell, then they are going to stay higher for longer, and um inflation all over the world is coming down, but it's still quite sticky. Mm. the sticky parts of inflation is still quite sticky um so i think I think either what happens is um, there's some growth and um interest rates do come down, and the rest of the market catches up to tick a bit um and or uh, the other what happens. Rates mm. stay high. Inflation doesn't come down enough for rates to drop. And tech, the tech sector catches down again. Catches a cold and and trades down again. So I won't be long tech mm. um, just after the first six months of the, the year.
0: Yeah, alright. Well, uh, questions are flooding in, so let's get to them. Uh, a technical one here. Is a scrip option better than a cash dividend in terms of a dividend tax? JP?
1: So, obviously, if you get the cash and you're an individual, you pay dividend tax on that. Uh, if you get a script dividend, you might think that you're saving the tax, but effectively, uh, your base cost on that little piece of extra shares you get will be zero. So, you'll pay, when you sell the shares, ultimately, cattle gains on that. So, it's sort of like six of the one, half a dozen of the other. People prefer to pay tax later rather than sooner. So in that sense, the script dividend is better. But other than the tax, the other thing to keep in mind is at what price are you getting the script dividend? There's always an implied price at which those shares are issued to you. And if the tax is then very similar between the two options over the long term, what you should do is you should look at the implied price of a script dividend. And if that is higher or lower than the dividend per share from that company and choose the higher of the two. So either the higher implied price of the dividend being paid as a script dividend, or the higher of the cash dividend being paid to you.
0: Uh, all right, Dragas, uh, I'm not gonna go into that uh, because I do feel like JP did explain that uh, quite well. Uh, so let's move on to the uh, other questions. There's a question here on NAMPAC. Um, is the NAMPAC uh, approval of the rights issue the first step in what could be upward momentum? Triggers?
2: No, but, but solid pass from your NamPack.
0: You want to pass? <laughs> JB?
2: No. Uh... <laughs> so I can
1: understand why Ducas is passing. I mean, yeah. you have this company where the equity has just been wiped out. So they need a rights issue. And there's a lot of uncertainty regarding the rights issue. Um, you know, will it be enough, the exact discount, or so the price, how I many extra shares are going to be an issue, all those things. So that means that NAMPAC trades not as the shares of a company, but sort of as an option on the value of NAMPAC. So it is extremely volatile, the shares at the moment. Yeah. And that is why it's very difficult to get a handle on the fair value of NAMPAC. What I would say is when these things happen, um, if you stand back and you tell yourself, irrespective of the uh, capital structure, how much of the capital structure is debt and how much of the capital structure is equity, is NAMPAC the kind of business I would like to own? And for me, the answer is no. LAMPAC does not have an history of generating returns on capital above its cost of capital. Some of that might be lost if you look on a consolidated basis because underneath there are actually some better businesses and some worse businesses. And the better business, for instance, would be uh, Bev, uh, BEVCAN, the South African metals business, and then sort of like almost all the rest is, is not very good. So mm-hmm. if they can get through the rights issue, and sell off the other parts and really sort out the rest of African operations, which the devaluation in the Naira has also impacted for Nigerian operations, there is potential value in Befcan. Okay. But so there's a lot of hard work to do that, and there's too much uncertainty to know how the capital structure is going to look. So, for me, it's also a pass, just a, yeah. a longer winded pass.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Yeah,
2: the, 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 problem, sorry, the problem you have with these deeply diluted rights issues is that it becomes self-fulfilling. So if you, if you push the price down long enough, hard enough, then they have to issue more shares at a lower price. And it's just, yeah, it's, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling, um, spiral, if you'd like. So mm. that's the problem with these things. It's, 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 it's not recursive. What's the right word? It's reflexive. Reflexive. Um, mm. yeah, it's reflexive. Yeah. So, um, I, I tend to shy away from reflexive situations where the market actually as its own, um, you know, um, determines actually the outcome of the company.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, sticking with you, Drikas, um, I, I mean, just uh, keeping to the trend of challenges and uncertainty, there's a question on transaction capital. Uh, what does the uh, panel make of transaction capital, the the deal with uh, Gomo? Uh, is the share price undervalued currently?
2: Uh, I, I, we don't own TCP, yet, but I think you, you guys said a yeah, there's small stake in it, so maybe you're more at it than answering the question.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, yes. JB?
1: Yeah, if I may, so, uh, look, I, I was too early in starting to catch this fallen knife.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think my average in price is 12 Rand a share, yeah, I and mean, it's now at six Rand something. It went into the fives. Yeah. But I've looked at this over and over, and I've asked additional questions to the management team and the uh, investor relations department. And there is this risk that the SA Taxi division um, gets into trouble, it can't pay all its debt, the debt holders don't want to roll or restructure the debt, and that could have a knock on effect on some of the other parts of transaction capital. But there's also a case to say that they can ring fence those problems and stop throwing more capital at SA Taxi and the rest of the divisions will be okay. And in that scenario, I think the shares are worth more than ten Rand a share. Um but there's again a lot of fear at the moment regarding this company because the moment you have a weakness in the balance sheet and this risk of a of a rights issue and this reflexive situation that has spoke about, you have people running for the heels. So I've we, we still hold some shares, we were in too early, but I do think there's a increasing probability as time goes by and we don't hear more negative news that transaction capital can actually dig themselves out of this hole.
0: Hmm. And
1: that's what we're positioned for.
0: Alright, more questions, uh, gents. Uh, There is an interesting one here on NASPERS. Um, It puzzles me why NASPERS does not want to return its excess 10 cent shares to shareholders in order to eliminate the discount. It is clearly the simplest way to do it. Is it because it gives its largest shareholders, i.e. pension funds, indirect foreign exposure in excess of uh, Regulation 24 requirements? Uh, Triggers
2: no I think there's two big reasons one is tax so uh that's that's there's a big um assessed capital gain tax. you know in uh, uh if, if you were to sell it um unbundling might be an option um but uh, I think the bigger problem is is that uh, a does not want to step away from um control of 10 cents so well they haven't got control of the company not more than 50 percent but they they've got a, a meaningful stake that gives them um, board representation, et cetera. So I'm not too sure they would like to do that. Um, but yes, it would be the simplest way, but not the, in the best interest um, of the management mm. of the company. Um, with regards con- to control, uh, they'll be managing a much, much smaller company if they were to unbundle or sell this stake.
0: Yeah. Uh, your take, uh, JP?
2: Mm. So I think,
1: uh, firstly, that if they unbundle, it means you hold these shares directly. And the Naswar Sheldon Base is partly South African, partly offshore. But the 10-cent shares are listed in Hong Kong. Now, it's very difficult to unbundle shares to South Africans if the vast majority of those South Africans don't have a brokerage account with a broker in Hong Kong. So it would mean that you will be given shares, but you can't take acceptance of those shares. Uh, so then they'll be forced to sell the shares on your behalf on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and give you the cash. And mm. you can't sell 28% of 10 cents in one go. Yeah. So unbundling doesn't really work. And to Drikas' point about the tax, an unbundling has got a negative tax impact because it's the ratio of your South African base to your foreign base, uh, which then the company must pay the tax on the portion that goes to offshore shareholders because SARS sees that as a, uh, a a leakage of tax out of the country. While the selling of Tencent is tax efficient, that's why they are doing what they are doing and that is selling Tencent very tax efficiently out of process and then using that cash to buy back NASPERS shares in South Africa. So selling Tencent shares and buying back NASPERS shares is much better. Than the alternative of an unbundling which has got negative tax consequences
0: all right well quite a few questions actually on those companies there's another one here um can you shed light on the upcoming dividend in process results were last week but no definite rate regarding the dividend uh triggers
2: no i missed that one
0: Uh, jb
1: yeah we'll probably find out um they might first want to get the um the the circulars out of the way for the dismantling of the crossholding Um, and we might get more information after that. The other interesting thing to keep in mind is when process makes declarations, uh, distributions rather, it's in the form of a capital distribution, which is normally not taxable, it's a return of capital. While when NASPAS makes a distribution, it's a dividend, which for individuals attracts dividend tax. So keep that in mind as well that uh, if you are an individual, all other things being equal, you would prefer to be a process shelter than a naspas shelter just because of the dividend tax from a Naspersh dividend, which is absent from a capital distribution from Process.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, another one uh, on these companies. I, ne- I have Naspers and Process, uh, which uh, has uh, just about doubled in price. I need some cash, and I'd like to know which one I must sell. Trikas, what would you be selling?
2: Well, we sold out a long time ago. Mm. Um, we sold out before COVID and uh, part of it and we sold out. So I'm not even sure what the capital gains tax assessment will be. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it all depends on where your CGT impact lies. Um, uh, you know, and that's, you know, that differs for individual investor to uh, institutional investor. For institutional investor, it doesn't really matter. But for individual investor, that might... Yeah, I can't even remember what the ratios were to be quite honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well JP if you were holding both and you needed some cash, which one would you be selling?
1: So again, if both doubled, so my unrealized capital gains is similar. Yeah. And I'm in an individual, I would rather sell NASPASH because the dividends I'll get in future from NASPASH will have dividend tax being deducted well, process return on capital will not have dividends, deducted, uh, dividends tax deducted. So all other things being equal, I would rather sell not Uh
0: All right. Um, there's a question here. I don't know if you guys uh, look at it. Labat Africa, what do you make of this cannabis player? Uh, they made an announcement to offer shares at 12 cents to raise capital, but the current price is at 7 cents. Do, do any of you guys look at Labat Africa or are interested in any of uh, the cannabis players out there?
2: No? I didn't even realise we've got a cannabis guy <laughs> on the jersey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah, there's even one that's entered as a as a spec um I forgot its name. But yeah, about two <laughs> but I also can't comment. Okay.
1: <laughs> I think that was cellocybin. Yes. That wanted to, exactly spec and it didn't quite work. Yes. And look yes.
0: they
1: there've been quite a few pot companies or Dachar companies or marijuana companies, however you want to call them, (laughs) listed in Canada. And that was now a number of years ago. Ah. And what you saw is a lot of people got very excited Mm. and the share prices went very high, excuse the pun, and then they all crashed. (laughs) So it gives you some idea that normally the type of people that get involved in these types of businesses, it's not just for the economic returns, because If you think about agriculture, which as a basic principle, this is what it comes down to.
0: Yeah.
1: Agriculture is not known as a good business because anyone with a piece of land, some soil, some water, some nutrients can compete with you. Mm. So there is not a large competitive advantage. And therefore I would say be careful of companies in agriculture, even though it might be in a very niche part of, of agriculture. Because you can look at what has happened to the Canadian companies and see that these companies generally do not have high returns on capital and therefore not great investment.
0: Uh All right. Uh, well, uh, more questions. Um, view on Alexander, well, not Alexander Forbes now, just Alex Forbes, um, as they have been uh, moving to change their strategy. Drikas, um, is this one that you look at?
2: I haven't in a while, but I must tell you this. In- that there's a lot of uh, competition in the market. Whatever direction they move, they're going to bump into a lot of competition. The S.F. financial sector is very competitive, and you have to choose your players very carefully.
0: Mm. Um. Yeah. I mean, if I remember correctly, J.P. Their last results weren't weren't bad. Uh, what do you make of Alex Forbes?
1: So they had a lot of cleaning up to do over the last few years with David de Villiers coming in and the previous CEO uh, re, uh, you know, um, going away under a cloud and a change in strategy and refining the strategy and selling some businesses and even the one anchor shareholder from overseas uh, selling the stake with now a US-based financial institution taking a large stake. And Sunlam in the background also making sure because they know the local market that… Um, sort of supporting the Alex Forbes strategy to make sure that the niche they focus on is a profitable niche, that they don't unnecessarily compete, but focus on what they are good at, mm. which is the pension fund administration and consulting and the investment business, um, if you think about uh, investment solutions. So I think that the cleaning up has now been done. Uh, we'll need to wait and see what the new US significant shareholder thinks about what the strategy should be in consultation with Sunlong. So historically, I've not really liked the business. But we are now for the first time in a long time, now that they've cleaned up, it is worth a second look. And it's not particularly expensive, but it also doesn't particularly excite. Mm.
0: All right. What about Fortress, uh, Um, Yeah, this is one where uh, really the big news ha- has been uh, the removal of the REIT status. Um, and also people now wondering when they can start getting a uh, dividend again. Uh, and if that uh, dual share structure will be collapsed. Your view on that, on Fortress?
2: Yeah, um, I think the the collapse of the REIT structure was actually a great entry point for the company. Um, It it forced, Uh, all class of shareholders were not forced to exit, but they didn't have that special tax treatment anymore. Mm. And um, I do think that Fortress A and B shares, well, A shares has a lot of value. If you just take the memorandum of incorporation for what the FFAs actually should represent, if they get into a position where they can pay both, I think there's a lot of value collectively and especially in the A's. Um, We were at one stage long the A's and short the B's, but I realized that if anybody would try to wrestle control, uh, take control of the business, they would need to buy both. Both have got voting rights, and then you do not want to be short the B's, which have a much lower market cap, and which you would need to spend much less on to actually get more voting rights so we exited the short position on the bees luckily and uh, um so it's almost a year now i think yeah. it's coming up uh, on 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 any new share or scheme of arrangement that they can um propose to the market um they you, you can't do that um more than once every 12 months so that's coming up i think in in the next month or so
1: mm. and
2: then management can can introduce a new scheme of arrangements uh, a new ratio last time i think it was 3 to 1 and it was rejected by, by the majority of the shareholders. I think you need about a 75% um, um, shareholding, uh, or vote to, to, to pass uh, a scheme of arrangement like that. Yeah. And maybe they come up with something similar. Uh, I'm not too sure, but I do think long term, if you own both of them, there's, there's some value in, in, um, Fortress. Uh, but there's also some value lying around in some other reach as well.
0: Ah, all right. Uh, JP, unfortunately, uh, we will not be able to get your view, but I think Drikas uh, explained that uh, quite, quite nicely. Uh, let's get to your stock picks for today. Gentlemen, what will it be, JP?
1: So I'm going for a boring, stable, solid South African company. No excitement tonight, but no excitement is good. Okay. It's Adcock Ingram. Uh, they are a the distributor of drugs, whether it's over-the-counter medicines or to hospitals and they were obviously impacted very negatively uh, through COVID on the hospital side, with hospitals closed, uh, as well as OTC to some extent, because people went out, they didn't get colds. (laughs) You know, you were lucky if you didn't get COVID, but there weren't other uh, over-the-counter medicines that were being sold. Things are normalizing now. They had a very decent first half to December, and the second half is now to June. We just past June. And my expectation is that uh, they'll come out with solid full-year results in roughly a month and a half's time. The one negative is the very low single exit pricing increase that the government has allowed to, for them to increase the prices of their drugs. That is regulated. Uh, and the RAND is quite a bit weak on average now than it was a year ago. But I do believe that the management team will manage through this. And in the background, you have Bidvest, which recently bought more shares and increased its shielding in Adcock Ingram. And I think it makes a lot of sense for Bidvest to effectively take over the whole of Adcock Ingram and get the benefits to combine the distribution part of the business with certain Bidvest operations. Ah, all so right. uh, that is why my pick is Adcock
2: Ingram.
0: All right. On your side, Rikas?
2: Uh, I choose Sassel. I-, I think the tides have started to turn for the oil price. So picking a JSE player for you guys. Most of you have got accounts on the J C E. Buy some Sassels. I think, you know, probably... If you look at it, the technicals, if you look at the oil price technicals, if you look at, um, oil, um, inventory draws that's coming, um, Russia just announced that they're going to cut 500,000, um, barrels a day. Maybe they do half of that. Maybe not. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't, I'll take that with a pinch of salt, but still, <laughs> um, Saudi Arabia just extended their million dollar cut to, into August. Uh, and I think there's a deficit building in the oil market. So, uh, B-Long Energy, uh, DO3 Sassel, I think a lot of one-offs with Sassel's income statements and the last reporting period that weren't necessarily repeat in the next reporting period. And, and it does look cheap. Um, doesn't matter which angle you look at it.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, thank you so much, Jens, for your time and for your analysis today. Appreciate it. And thanks to our viewers for sending through questions. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests, uh, Jean-Pierre Verstappen from Prote Capital Management and Trigas Komrink from Capicraft.
1: I'm just going the station.